Good morning, Evangel. We're starting a new series this morning, and if you're on uh, my email list, you already know about it, or if you came early to church this morning, um, you already know about it, because I was praying with some of you before the service started, but we are starting a new series um, that's going to last several weeks, not sure yet quite how long it will be, but we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I know, because this is a church that we have said a million times is very diverse, I know that there's going to be a bunch of different responses to that. And so we've spent this year trying to build some some building blocks and some foundational things of how we walk out our faith. And so we talked about, uh, at the beginning of the year, we talked about Bible reading and actually reading your Bible every day. Say that with me, every day. So crazy. What a crazy thought. And then we took 40 days, and we said we're going to do 40 days of prayer. And so we're going to talk about how do we pray every day. And then we went through, we talked about it's personal and how to share our faith. And we've spent a month talking about giving and living generously as part of our faith. And we've incorporated uh, missions and our global work around the world, all the stuff that's happening. All of these things are things that matter so that when we are following Jesus, we're not just doing it on Sunday morning, Right? We're doing it between Monday to Saturday as well, and actually learning out how do we walk out our faith every day. And so we're going to add on to that this this topic of the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks. Now, because we are so diverse, our our church has five generations, we have 80-something ethnicities, we have people that have been Christians since just before Moses, you know who you are. And we have some of you that have just become Christians just in the last recent time. And some of you who haven't even decided yet if you're a follower of Jesus. And, and then there's all different backgrounds that people are coming from. So when, when somebody stands up here and says, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, some of you go, why? You're so excited. And some of you go, oh, because you're not sure what's going to be said. And you're not sure what you're going to think about it all. Because across... Um, the Christ, across Christianity, the different slices or tribes, as I call them, of Christianity, um, there's all different historical roots, all different experiences, all different styles, all different understandings of, of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works. And we've got some, some basic things in common, but then after that, it, it spreads out and different people have different experiences. And so I, I kind of look at it that sometimes um, when you look at the Holy Spirit, you can, can kind of get two extremes. You can get one end over here and one end over here, two different extremes of how um, churches or Christians deal with the Holy Spirit, and then everything else falls in the middle. So, so on one extreme, you might have what I call um, hyper Holy Spirit. Okay, now just decide right now you're not going to be offended, okay, because we're going to get some good. But on one extreme, you can have like the hyper Holy Spirit where everything, 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 everything is about, I have to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. I have to have a deeply emotional, deeply impacting mountaintop, you know, woohoo experience with the Holy Spirit and, and nothing else matters as long as I have that over and over again. And that kind of a, a hyper Holy Spirit experience sometimes, I'm just saying sometimes, sometimes can end up revolving around like one person or kind of a celebrity kind of preacher or something like that. And, and, and it's just, we end up, we can sometimes, if we go too far to this extreme, we can end up chasing experiences. And it actually becomes a very shallow faith because we don't know how to walk out our faith in times between the dramatic experiences. And we end up just spending all our time chasing prophetic words and chasing, you know, exciting moments and chasing all of that. And it's, a, it's an extreme that is open and can possibly use for 
misuse and, and manipulation and all that kind of hyper Holy Spirit, okay? Then the other extreme, so, so this, this can't be quite right. That can't be quite what God intended. But, but then the other extreme is um, no Holy Spirit. Now, this extreme wouldn't say there's no Holy Spirit because that would be just way out there. But, but it acknowledges that there is a Holy Spirit, but we're not very comfortable talking about him. And usually the, the rallying cry for this extreme over here is the scripture verse that says everything must be done decently and in order. And it's usually said in, you know, a very straight, deep voice, everything must be done decently and in order, like that. And what we mean is our order. What we feel is, is order, something that doesn't upset any of our dignity or any of our comfort at all. It's just very decent and very in order. And, and at the far extreme of this end is, that, is this belief or this, this understanding that, that God did do miracles and God used to do supernatural things and the Holy Spirit did used to speak to people and through people, but he doesn't do that anymore. Because we don't need that anymore. And once the Bible ended, then we don't, we don't need that anymore. And, and so um, this extreme is also open to some misuse and also can sort of mess up our faith a little bit because it actually ends up um, valuing our own rationality and our own deep desire to know all the answers. We end up valuing that more than we value the mystery of God. And things that we can't quite understand. And, and often on this end, people are left hungry because they, they were looking for a God that was bigger than they could understand. And they end up just, just walking away a little bit going, well, I, I hoped that there would be more than that. Well, that can't be right either, right? And so, so you have this extreme and you have this extreme. And then you have everything in between of different people's understandings or experiences of the Holy Spirit. So I, let's just start with some basics, okay? First of all, of course there is a Holy Spirit, Okay. And of course, he's part of our faith somehow. The, the Bible starts with the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1. The first two verses of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was barren with no form of life, and it was under a roaring ocean covered with darkness. But, but, who? The Spirit of God was moving over the water. So right from the beginning of Scripture, there is the Spirit of God. The Scripture Bible begins with the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible ends with the Holy Spirit. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, which was written by the Apostle John when the Holy Spirit uh, moved on him, and he just poured out all kinds of things. It says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, this is John talking, On the Lord's day, the Spirit took control of me and... And then the whole rest of Revelations comes spilling out of him. And the very end of Revelations, almost the last verse, it says in twenty two seventeen that the spirit and the bride, the bride being the church, say, come. They invite, invite us to come to Jesus. So the spirit is there at the beginning and the spirit is there at the end. And then all the way through scripture, there are references to the Holy Spirit of the spirit of God. So of course, there's a Holy Spirit, which which only makes sense when you think about it. I mean, we're here because we believe that there's something more than just this world that we live in. 
We're here because we have faith. We're here because we believe in some kind of a spiritual world, that there's something more than this physical five senses world. We assume that, that God is spirit and, and that God is not a human being. God isn't some other kind of physical being. God is spirit and there is a spiritual world. So I think it's safe to say that, that most or all of us would accept the idea of God as a spirit. Yeah? Good. This side agrees. The other side hasn't decided yet, okay? But the Holy Spirit then, just to get a step further, is one part of, of what we call the Trinity or the Godhead. It's sometimes called Father, Son, who is Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, we, we have one God with three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you go, Patty, I don't understand that. Nobody does. We have all kinds of metaphors and symbols to try to help explain it, and we know that it's true, but God is beyond our understanding, and so we just end up going, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it better than that, but one God, three persons, and this is a basic, essential Christian belief right from the very start. And so I think it's likely safe to say that most or all of us that are here accept the idea that the Holy Spirit is a person and that the Holy Spirit is God. After that... We're all over the map. And, and we're stuck between the two extremes that I mentioned a little bit earlier. So we're going to cover a lot of territory over the next several weeks in this series. But, but here's what I want to do. I want to start with something just, just basic. Here's where I want to start. You ready? The Holy Spirit is a gift to us, and he's a good gift. Okay? Holy Spirit is a gift to us, and he's a good gift. Jesus said so. Jesus said that to his disciples, and they didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But before they had any understanding at all, Jesus said that, number one, the Holy Spirit was a good gift from the Father. And number two, that the Holy Spirit was someone that we should be seeking after and looking for. And number three, he then tied that all together, in, tied that in really closely to prayer. So, so watch what happens. It's in Luke chapter 11, and start, starting at verse 1. When Jesus had finished praying, One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his followers to pray. So Jesus told them, well, pray in this way. Father, help us to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom. Give us each day the food that we need. Forgive our sins as we forgive everyone who's done wrong to us. And keep us from being tempted. It's the Lord's prayer. It's the, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Sure. Here's how you pray. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And so he's still talking about prayer as you go on from there. Jesus went on to say, suppose one of you goes to a friend in the middle of the night and says, let me borrow three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has dropped in and I don't have a thing for him to eat. And suppose your friend answers, don't bother me. The door's bolted and my kids and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you something. He may not get up and give you the bread just because you're his friend. But he will get up and give you as much as you need simply because you're not ashamed to keep on asking. Jesus is still talking about prayer, and now he's talking about persistence in prayer. And it's a whole different message, but I'm just, I'm just helping you. I want you to track with me as we go through. He's saying, keep on asking. Keep on praying. And then, and then, watch what he says right after that. So I tell you to what? Ask, and you shall receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Everyone who asks will receive. 
Everyone who searches will find, and the door will be opened for everyone who knocks. Which one of you fathers would give your hungry kid a snake if the child asked for a fish? Which one of you would give your child a scorpion if the child asked for an egg? As bad as you are, he's kind of blunt here, okay? As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children, but your heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. See? Right in the middle of, of talking about prayer, Jesus, Jesus brings out the Lord's Prayer, what we know today as the Lord's Prayer, which everybody is pretty much comfortable with. And then he talks about being persistent in prayer and praying over and over again. And he talks about asking and searching and knocking. And he says that when we do, the Father has a good gift for us. And that gift is, we need a drum roll here, that gift is the Holy Spirit. Okay? It was a good drum roll. And the Holy Spirit is given to anyone who asks. Of course there's a spirit. Jesus said so. And it's for anyone who asks. There is a principle of asking and searching and hungering and seeking for God. Now, some of you, some of you have been taught a different approach. Some of us have been, have, have been taught or we have this, this sort of take it or leave it approach. Well, you know, I'm just going to live my life. And if God wants to do something. If the Holy Spirit wants to do something, I'm open. That's fine. He could do whatever he wants, but I'm not going after it. But, but he can if he wants to. So that's true. He can, and he might. But when you look in Scripture, you don't really see any point at all in Scripture where the Bible says, where God says, well, listen, just, just chill. Do your thing. Live your life. If I want to do something, I will doesn't happen. All the way through scripture, there are examples and there are principles of seeking God, of looking for God, of, of giving everything that we have and, and with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and our strength, looking for God. And so, so that's the principle that's there. It's for those who ask, who really, who really want the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just pop back to where Jesus is. We're a little bit later now. And it's actually after the crucifixion. And so Jesus has been crucified on the cross on, on the Friday. And then on the Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. And now it's Sunday night. And the disciples, they're all locked away in a room. And they're there because they're terrified. They're, they're, you know, it's been a, a lousy weekend. And, and so they, they're really terrified. And, and they've heard that Jesus has risen from the dead. And some of them have seen him. But then he disappeared again. And, you know, it's a lot to take in. And so their heads are a little bit messed up, and, and this is what happens in John chapter 20, verse 19. The disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders, and on the evening of that same Sunday, they locked themselves in a room, and suddenly, Jesus appeared in the middle of the group. Freaky. He greeted them and showed them his hands and his side so they could see the wounds that had happened to him on the cross, and just imagine what that was like. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they became very happy. Probably the understatement of the year. I mean, it's huge, right? In fact, it kind of makes me laugh because they got very happy and apparently so excited Jesus had to start again. So it says, after Jesus had greeted them again, (laughs) he said, I'm sending you just as the Father has sent me. And then he breathed on them and said, say it with me, receive the Holy Spirit course there's a Holy Spirit. And of course, 
He's part of our faith. Now, I want to tell you some of my background and my story so that you know where I'm coming from. And so that you just, you, you could just, you just know, um, yeah, where I'm coming from. So, so I was raised in, in a pastor's home, in a Pentecostal pastor's home. This is a Pentecostal church, by the way, if you're wondering. And uh, we don't talk about that a lot because we talk more about being a follower of Jesus because that's the most important thing. But when it comes down to, fo- uh, to style or to the fellowship we're with, the tribe, we're, we're Pentecostal. And I was raised in a Pentecostal pastor's home. And our fellowship, our churches, talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. There was a real expectation um, that the Holy Spirit was going was to impact your life, and there was, it was going to be dramatic, and it was going to be powerful, and it was going to transform you. And um, I, so I, I'm the pastor's kid, okay? And I felt through most of my growing up years that I didn't have those dramatic moments, okay? So my parents never said it. My parents never did anything. But me, myself, knowing that this is the atmosphere I'm in, I felt a whole lot of pressure, because I'm the pastor's kid, and I don't appear to have the Holy Spirit the way I'm supposed to. And so I, I was really grateful then when I, I became a young adult, and, and I went and had somebody pray for me, and, and I finally received the, the gift, or the, the ability to speak in tongues, which was something that was really highly emphasized. And, and I was grateful for that. It really reduced my own sense of pressure. It was a really wonderful moment. It was something that, that impacted me. But at the same time, I sort of had been hanging on to that for so long, thinking that was just going to change everything, and that would, you know, that was kind of the end. That, and, and it didn't really change everything in the way that I thought it might. So I was like, huh, okay, so that happened, and that's fine, but, but it wasn't quite what I thought it might be. And so, so I valued the Holy Spirit. Please know that. I valued very much the work and the person of the Holy Spirit in my life, but I also was a little bit skeptical of some of the you know, the really hyper-dramatic parts. Because in my experience and in my growing up and my perception, it appeared that the Holy Spirit needed a lot of ramping up in order to do something. So there had to be a lot of singing and a lot of noise before we got to the part where the Holy Spirit came. And I, I kind of wondered in the background why God needed that. <laughs> and if it was really quite necessary. And so I, I still was really hungry for God and, and very solid in my faith and was walking out my faith and, and learned how to do that with discipline and with maturity and all that. But, but I was kind of hoping at the same time maybe, maybe that wasn't all that there was. And so then later... Uh, several years later, I'm, I'm a young assistant pastor now in, in, in Toronto, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit showed up in Toronto. And so some of you may be familiar with the Toronto blessing, and some of you think it's great, and some of you think it's awful, and it doesn't matter. I, I was there, okay? And, and I saw, for what it's worth, I saw a different approach. And I, I, they, the ones that were leading it, just God was showing up and doing things, and they were going, we're not quite sure either. But we're just praying, and this is what's happening, and so we're asking God to guide us and to show us, and it didn't seem like they needed so much ramping up, just God was doing what God was doing. And so I went there, and, and I, saw, I saw stuff I hadn't seen before, and I, I, I experienced the Holy Spirit in ways I hadn't experienced the Holy Spirit before, and in really dramatic ways, and eventually it became something that I learned to pray for others in as well, and there were times that, that the Holy Spirit would move on them really um, powerfully as well. So, so it deeply impacted me. It was, it was good for me. But remember I said there were two extremes, right? I, I saw in the years that followed that, 
I saw some people, not all by any means, but some, who kind of got stuck in that space. And so all they did was just chase the experience and chase the Holy Spirit and go to special services all the time and got to have another prophetic word and another moment and all of that. And it seemed like their faith didn't quite hold. There was a little bit lacking in stability when they weren't having an, a, a dramatic experience of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody, but for some. So, so I tell you all that because here's what I want you to know about me in regards to the Holy Spirit. I know what it is to question and be a little bit skeptical. And I know what it is to really hunger and seek for God and wonder why everybody else seems to be getting something but, but not me. And I also know what it is to be deeply impacted by the Spirit of God in ways I could not have imagined, emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, in every area of my life, I know what it is to experience that. And I also know what it is to walk in faithfulness in the in-between times, in the, in the times when the Holy Spirit, I'm just trusting that he's working in me and through me, whether I feel it or not. Does that make sense? And so then here at Evangel, of course, we believe in the Holy Spirit as well. And the Holy Spirit has been doing some awesome things in, in this church even recently. So some of you were here a couple months ago when we showed a video of a, of a woman named Marjorie who attends here. And she, she had been prayed for at lunch. And she had had um, for several days, maybe a couple weeks, I'm not sure, her arm was stuck like this. It was part of a, an ongoing physical condition she has. And she'd been in hospital and everything. And she couldn't. And somebody prayed for her just very quietly over lunch. And, and it, just, it just released. And she, she, you saw the video of her telling that story. That's the Holy Spirit. And then some of you were here uh, last week or the week before when we showed a video of, of Nalendri and Patricia. And they were talking about how they had walked out of our, our worship service that we'd had a few Sunday nights ago. And, and during that worship, uh, as they walked out, they said, God, would you please just guide us? And they asked the Holy Spirit to show them. And, and they just felt led to go to this woman over, you know, that was in distress and was struggling. And they spent some time talking with her and praying with her. And it became a really amazing God moment. That's the Holy Spirit. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, our staff got together and we had our normal staff meeting on Tuesday at nine o'clock. And can I just tell you, we move fast in our staff meeting. We have a very full agenda every week and we go at the speed of light through the various items on our agenda, trying to get everything done that we need to get done. And so we did what we normally do and we started with prayer and it was just going to be a quick two minute prayer. (laughs) And all of a sudden the atmosphere changed and we all knew it. It was a sacred moment, and the Holy Spirit got there, and and we just started praying. Some of us were weeping, and some of us were worshiping, and some of us were leading out in different prayers and saying, I feel like God is saying this and maybe that. And, And it turned into 45 minutes of a really powerful prayer time on our staff. It's the Holy Spirit. Totally unexpected. Totally unplanned. And, and of course, as I said, we're, we're part of a Pentecostal movement. That's part of, of who we are. And I, I don't say that to say, you know, to get a label or to, or to um, differentiate so much. It's just to give you context of where that's coming from. So when you talk about the modern Pentecostal movement, it's not just us here in one little church. There's, there's a whole history of things that happened. So on January 1st, 1901, in Topeka, Kansas, there was a Bible college and there was a prayer meeting there. And this woman, this young woman named Agnes Osmond, and she was praying. She was in this prayer meeting in this Bible college in Kansas in 1901. She starts praying and all of a sudden she's just, she's just speaking in tongues. 
She wasn't the first person in, in recent history to have been speaking in tongues, but she was at the beginning of a, a theological, biblical understanding that was beginning to arise that maybe speaking in tongues was evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, like is talked about in the book of Acts. And so, so that happened. And then in 1906, in Los Angeles, there was a guy, his name was William Seymour. And he was invited to, to speak at a little house group. And so he went and he spoke there and, and God showed up and, and the house group kept continuing and people started coming and they outgrew the space that they were in. And so they moved into um, a stable, if you can imagine, kind of a rundown stable on a street that was called Azusa Street. And they started holding meetings there and the meetings kept going for over three years. People came from all over to be part of that because every time they held a a service there, the Holy Spirit showed up and people started being impacted. And that, that, those meetings lasted for three years and it became the launch pad by just about anybody's account. Azusa Street became the launch pad for modern Pentecostal movement all around the world that's still continuing today. And that includes Canada, by the way. So in November 1906, so in the same year, even though the people, there were some people in Toronto, they were named the Hebdens. And Ellen Hebden and her husband ran a mission in downtown Toronto. They hadn't had any connection with anybody in Los Angeles. This was pre-internet. They hadn't had any connection with that. They didn't know what was going on. But in November 1906, they were in the middle of a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, Ellen Hebden started speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit started moving in their meeting in ways that were unexpected. And today, that's often referred to the Hebden mission as the Canadian Azusa Street. And eventually, our own fellowship, our own tribe, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada emerged and some other tribes as well. And this church itself was started out of that. It was started by Reverend Baker, who's often known as Daddy Baker, and started this church. And history shows that thousands of people met Jesus and were deeply impacted, healed and filled with the Holy Spirit as part of our 101-year history. It's part of our DNA. The Holy Spirit is a big part of why we exist and how we function. It's something that really matters to us here. Now, so we're going to do this series about about, um, the Holy Spirit. And and as you know, if you've known me at all, you know that I very rarely just teach anything just so that you can have the knowledge and a certificate on your wall that says I learned that. I'm not really a big fan of that. My goal is to teach you and help you learn so that each of us can practically walk out our faith between the Sundays and actually do what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. And so the same thing is true with this series. I am hoping that as we go through this series, you will each learn, we will all learn, and some of us will learn again what it is to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and invite the Holy Spirit into our lives regularly so that it becomes normal for us to actually walk in God's presence and do the work that God has called us to do and transform our world and be able to do that with effectiveness and with impact. That's my goal, to teach us all how to actually walk with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I've got some tools for you that you can access if you want to. Number one, some of you are our students. You're readers. You're like me. And so I just want you to know that in addition to Scripture, 
There's four books that I've just been using and that I'm using to build this series that, that you might find helpful. You're welcome to download them if you want. We might get them at the resource zone if we can track down paper copies. But let me just tell you quickly what they are. The first one is um, Loving God Up Close. It's by Calvin Miller. And he looks, spends a lot of time looking at the, the symbolism of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So the Holy Spirit as the wind of God or the breath of God. The Holy Spirit as the fire of God. And the Holy Spirit as the oil of God, the anointing oil. And, 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 it, and his premise is the Holy Spirit's not just out there. He's super personal. And, and we, are, we can have a relationship with him. And so calls us into this intimate connection with God. The second one is kind of a fun one. It's called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. It's by Jack Deere. And um, it's, just a, it's actually a really interesting one to read because Jack Deere is, uh, was a professor and a pastor who was cessationist. Cessationist means he was at that extreme. So he was one of the ones that taught in seminaries and taught his church that, that miracles and, and hearing the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, it doesn't happen anymore. We don't have that. God doesn't do that. Don't you just hate it when you're in the middle of teaching that kind of thing, and then God shows up? So that's what happened to him. And so it's a little bit fun to read. And so if you read that book, you'll read his story of how, he, how the Holy Spirit impacted his life and started changing things. And then what he does is he goes back through Scripture, and he does it so graciously but so, um, so thoroughly, goes back to all the arguments that he used to teach about why the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything today. And now he goes back through scripture and he, he answers those arguments and says, this is where I was wrong. So it's a fascinating book to read. And then the third one is called Spirit and Power, Foundations of Pentecostal Experiences by a father and son, William and Robert Menzies. And it's basically, it's a little more academic than the others. So if you're a student type, you're going to like it. It's a history and a theology, a basic outline of what Pentecostals believe about the Holy Spirit, where that has come from, what the history is. And so it's a really solid outline. And then the last one is called Hosting the Presence by Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson is the pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California, which some of you have heard of. And it's a book where he talks about, um, he speaks very much in symbols and in metaphors, which is fine. And, and his premise is that we're all meant to actually host God's presence. We're meant to have the Holy Spirit within us, not for the moment of having, you know, chills and thrills, but so that we can actually carry God out into our world and we can do the work that we're called to do. And, and the way he writes, I just found myself as I was reading it, he, he talks about just developing a lifestyle of that, and it stirs up a hunger inside and a passion inside. It took me longer to get through this book because I kept stopping in order to pray. <laughs> That's the kind of book that it is. And so those are some that you might want to read if you want to. That's one of the tools we're going to use in order to help you participate and help you interact. But here's the other thing that we're going to do. We're going to make our sanctuary here, this space here, a sacred space, a prayer room. We're going to turn the room into a prayer room on Sundays throughout this whole series. And we're going to, um, it'll be for a half an hour before the first service, a half an hour after this second service, and, um, and the time in between. Just ignore the screens. Stick with me. Okay, they're just, they're just flinging through a bit because that's what computers do. But that's okay. We're going we're gonna to have this uh, time before the first service, after the second service, and in between services where this is going to be a prayer space in here. And you can, you can pray on your own. You can walk around. You can kneel. You can sit in a chair. You can read scripture if you want. You can pray together in small groups if you want to. 
There will be ministry team people all the way through who will be pray for you if you want, anoint you with oil if you want. It's just giving you time to seek and pursue God because the Bible says that that's what we should do. So that's what we're going to do today in just a few minutes. But what we're going to do first is we're going to start by actually remembering Jesus because Jesus is the one that it's all about. And so we're going to start this whole series by taking communion together. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I just want to take us into a place where we can share communion together. And once we do that, then I'll release you. You can, you can go, and then we'll, we'll turn this room into a prayer room, and you can stay for prayer if you want. But I want you to imagine that night, that Thursday night, the day before Jesus was crucified. It was the night of the Last Supper, but they didn't know it yet. And, and there had been a whole lot of conversation that had been happening between Jesus and his disciples. And the disciples were actually getting fairly upset and disturbed because Jesus kept saying things like he was going to leave, he wasn't going to be with them anymore, that where he was going, they wouldn't be able to come. And they were going, but Jesus, no, could you not leave? Can't we go with you? Where are you going? We'll follow you. And Jesus was going, no, it's not going to. And so they were really getting um, fairly distressed about the whole thing. And so that's when Jesus did a lot of his talking about the Holy Spirit, saying to them, I'm leaving, but don't worry. I'm going to send the comforter. God is going to send you a good gift. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to help you. He's going to do all the things that I do for you. And in the middle of that, in the middle of all of that, watch what happens in Luke 22, verse 14. When the time came for Jesus and the apostles to eat, he said to them, I very much wanted to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. I tell you that I will not eat another Passover meal until it's finally eaten in God's kingdom. Jesus took a cup of wine in his hands and gave thanks to God. Then he told the apostles, take this wine and share it with each other tell you, I will not drink any more wine until God's kingdom comes. Jesus took some bread in his hands and he gave thanks for it. And he broke the bread and he handed it to his apostles. And then he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this as a way of remembering me. And after the meal, he took another cup of wine in his hands and he said, this is my blood. It's poured out for you, and with it, God makes his new agreement. And so we're going to take communion together this morning. And and let me just explain to you, here's how we do it here. If you are a follower of Jesus, we don't care if you're part of this church or not. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to participate. And what we do is we're, we're going to break into groups and there's different stations all around the sanctuary. We really encourage you to connect with one or two or three other people and just t- take it together as a small group. There'll be instructions on the screen on what you do. And if you go, I'm just really uncomfortable with that. I'd rather do it on my own. That's fine. Nobody's going to force you otherwise. Well, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to sing first and then we're going to break into these groups and come to each of the stations and And you're going to go back together and pray together and take communion together. And then I'll close the service, but we'll turn the room into a prayer room. And so what I'm going to ask first, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me. And there's a hymn that the worship team said, Patty, we want to do this song today. And I just said, oh, it's just so perfect. Such a good fit. It's this song, this old hymn that's called, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And there's four verses to it. 
And I want you to hear the passion that's in it. It was written by a young man who was a brand new follower of Jesus. And actually, he was a Montrealer. I didn't know that till this morning. But it was written by this young man who is a brand new follower of Jesus, right local in our city. And you can hear the passion pouring out of him as he says, my Jesus, I love thee. So would you sing that with us as we lead it and then we'll do communion together.
and go to one of the stations that's near you. Go and get the bread. Go and get the juice. Come back together with a couple of people. There'll be some instructions on the screen of what you can do when you come back together in a group. Just pray a prayer together or pray silently if you want to, asking God's forgiveness where it's needed. Then you take the bread and you remember that Jesus gave his physical body for us. Then you all take it together. Then you take the juice and you remember that it represents Jesus' blood that created an open door to God for us. You drink that together. Then maybe somebody could pray a little prayer of thanks. Just gather together in groups. Take a few moments to do that together this morning. left out that wants to be included invite them to be part of your group and just gather together in little groups one of you can lead out in prayer one of you can hold the bread and say we remember you can hold the juice thank Jesus for the open covenant with God the open relationship with God just take a couple minutes do that together in your groups however you want to
just take one more moment and finish up your time. God, we end this service this morning with just this expression of love to you. If ever we loved thee, Jesus, it's now. So God, we're going to turn this room into a prayer room, and some of us are going to stay, and we're going to spend some time on our own in prayer or in small groups. Some of us are going to receive prayer from others, and and we're just going to make this a space that's consecrated to you, God so that we can seek after you. And some of us, we need to go, and I get that. You understand that, God. So, Lord, for each person, whether we leave now or sometime in the next half hour or so, I ask that you would help us to carry Jesus well into our world. Help us to carry you. Help us to carry the Spirit of God and to do good, to love each other, to reveal Jesus us out there into a world, Lord, where you're really desperately needed. Make us ambassadors of you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just turning this space into a prayer room. If you want to stay and pray, you're welcome to. If ministry team people ready to pray for you, if you would like, just come to one of them. They'll anoint you with oil. Take some time. Pray on your own if you want. Pray with others. You're just welcome to leave when you're finished. God bless you. See you next Sunday.